Oh, it's me. Yes? <laughs> You've got to keep that in. I love it. I love it. We're all here. We've all done our stretches and deep breaths. Three years we in. we just got to wait Sorry, for... Me? Oh, it's me. <laughs> I'm ready. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And today we're in... Kate's house. Oh, I do love coming round to your house, Kate. It's always so tidy. It's like it's styled for a photo shoot. Are you a bit drained by all the muted colours and it tidiness? It's muted, but you know I love a little bit of muted reprieve. I like coming around for a few hours, no more than that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, enjoying this more muted, shall we say, sludgy colour palette. Sludge, thanks I for like that. It. Yes, well, maybe I'll only let you in for a few hours at a time. <laughs> but that said, we are undeniably in the Christmas zone. So today we are going to embrace that wholeheartedly or as wholeheartedly as I can manage. (laughs) Well, I'm very good at being wholeheartedly Christmassy. So today we will be embracing all things festive. First up, though, I notice you haven't decked your hall with boughs of holly yet, Kate. There's no wreath on the front door. There's not even a tree. Well, it's early. So <laughs> we're just like motoring through December. I mean, people on Instagram are popping up trees in November, which I have to say... It's I, too soon. No, that is too soon. There are several reasons. And the first and most practical reason is that you may have noticed, and I think you put on stories, that my new eco sofa arrived yes, yesterday. Vita, lovely. Uh, my sustainable sofa I did with Love Your Home. What's that got... Are you I'll just tell plugging you. your products I'll tell rather you. than yes. skirting the issue? I'll tell you what, it arrived yesterday and we were supposed to do a shoot for it and some video content and then the film crew have all come down with COVID so it had to be cancelled. So I partly haven't decorated for that because I was waiting for that. But equally, I don't know, We I've never done it till the Sunday before Christmas. What? No, never. Never what? decorate. What? I don't. I don't know. I just... What if Christmas is on a Monday one year? You literally well, then I might do it the week before. Okay, but so I mean, it's, it's basically, I never do it more than a week before. I don't know why. It's just, I mean, growing up as children, it was the tree never came in the house until Christmas Eve. So there was that. For me, there's nothing sadder than a Christmas tree on Boxing Day, which is a bit droopy if it's been in the house for too long and it's got no presents underneath it. That makes me mm, unbearably depressed and I get mm. miserable. So it's got to go on the 27th of December. Um, and I don't know, I just... I... I know. I so do. So you accelerate through the whole thing. You literally only have a week where the tree's in, does its job, presents are unwrapped, and then you boot it out. Or is it? What, yeah. uh, or are you are you real or UFO? Does it go up back to the loft? Or? So we have traditionally always been real, but now we have a faux wooden one. Quite kind of sculptural green painted wooden oh one. Oh my goodness. Which we've had so for years. minimalist. Well, the decorations, I never buy, I say I never buy new decorations. I used to always buy one or two new decorations a year, or the boys when they were little would make something. But the decorations date back. 20 years. So I've got little snow angels they made at nursery. I've got things we've bought over the years, which all have meanings or stories. And do you love that? I mean, I love I, that. Is, is this is this Grinch's heart finally being melted now as you remember the boy's little snow angels? And well, is there, a, is there an element of sentimentality for you around I Christmas? I just, I don't know. Am I, am I a Grinch? Maybe. I mean, I like the anticipation of it, but do you know what? I feel quite conflicted about it because come on come on we're on the sofa we're on the the sofa of truth you can share i look at people 
just going a bit hairless about mm. the presents, the wrapping, the cards, the invitations, the catering, the food, the shopping, and being driven slightly to distraction by it. I also think, and this may just be personal experience that you then there are some people who have you know a house full of 20 people I think that's probably a huge amount of stress for about three of them I think that's probably trying not to have a row for another five of them you know I think that there's this we sort of push this fairy tale notion of we're all going to get together and we're all going to love each other and it's you know it's we're not going to be remotely family, stressful we, folks? yeah and I think I think the reality is for a lot of people that's not the case and I get slightly cross with having that narrative pushed and we have just the four of us and we have a lovely day we tend to treat it like a kind of special weekend a weekend with presents but I really try hard to resist all that you've got to do this and you've got to do that and if you don't come from a huge happy family full of people who love each other then you're somehow deficient because I think most people don't and I also <laughs> think that last year when Christmas was cancelled at the last minute mm. of course I think it was awful for a lot of people but I think there were probably some people who thought, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> Haven't got to spend, you know, a tricky day with a family member that I don't necessarily get on with. And, it, you know, so yes, I'm all about loaded, saying to people, it? just reject the pressure because okay. it's very loaded. So regardless of what your family dynamics are, the element that we can help with is the pressure for your house to look perfect and for you to be the perfect yeah. hostess and to have the perfectly dressed tree and the prettiest, most Instagrammable wreath. We can sit here and say you don't have to do that. Well, I think it's a key point to remind people that Instagram is a highlight showreel of everything that's perfect. And just because you might be seeing nothing but beautiful Christmas trees. I mean, I also, you know, you look at Instagram at the moment and it's all Christmas trees and wreaths and decorations and presents. And seriously, if I see one more po person throw a bauble into an empty yes, room and yes. open the door and it's covered in tinsel. <laughs> um, but I, so I I will be keeping my know, feed. this is possibly my favourite time of year just so I can hear you rant. I absolutely love it. I it's will part of my be, Christmas tradition now. Is it? Okay? my present to you it's relieving the pressure for everyone <laughs> i just will be keeping my feed very un-christmasy okay and your house as well by, yeah. by just your little twig tree with a couple of snow angels hung on and it's you're good to go a twig, but yeah i mean you know a few more lamps and lights and things maybe but yeah i'm not into the Oh. Well, I think I think we've been through a lot, haven't we, in the year and a half? And and last Christmas was really stressful, especially for people who got expectation and maybe bought lots of food and gone to a lot of trouble, then nobody Nightmare. could come. Or then alternatively, if you were counting on going around someone else's, then you found yourself at home with a microwave meal. I mean, it was it was awful. So I think a lot of people are feeling the need to make up for it yeah. a little bit this year. I mean, for me. I end up hosting Christmas for my family. That's how that works. We've got nine round the table uh, for Christmas lunch. And then the sec we've got a second wave coming on Boxing Day. <laughs> you better hope it's only a second wave of guests. They're not bringing anything with them. <laughs> only unwanted things with yeah. them anyway. But no, I really hear you about kind of like reinventing Christmas to feel a little bit more relaxed. And actually last year I did go to town. I did went big on the decor. And this year it's just going to be just a tree. And just a wreath on the front. In fact, it's a wreath on the front door because my lovely friend Vanessa, who does my flowers, 
gifted me a wreath. Yes. So that's gone from, but I'm going to stop there and not do the the hallway. I did the hallway, did the dining room, did centerpieces. We had like a garland over the fireplace. I mean, it looked amazing. And I think it worked for me last year because we'd been in lockdown, hadn't we, for quite a long time. And just reinventing the house to feel different was really important last year. And that's what I love about Christmas decorating is there's an opportunity to make your house feel and look different. And for me, it's even more twinkly lights and more colour and more tinsel and more glitter and more is more. So I enjoy that. This year, I think because it's just been exhausting, I think with everything opening up this summer and back to work, but still element of uncertainty, I just feel burnt out. I'm going into Christmas on an empty tank. So yeah, I hear what you're saying, but you know, for that reason, I'm not going to give myself too much pressure. So I thought we could just riff a few ideas, maybe our listeners have already decked their house out full bonanza styling (laughs) or maybe they're in a bit more of the space that you or I are in in the kind of like we just need to look after ourselves first and then we can look after the house I thought it'd be nice to just chat about a few maybe like last minute Christmas decorating ideas because I mean we are motoring towards the big day at this point but also thinking there's a lot of conversations about being a bit more thoughtful and sustainable I've even read a few things in the paper about the concept of not even giving gifts oh no I'd like a gift I may not not be all over the Christmas tinsel but I want the presents come on man I love a bit of shopping let's get the priorities straight here keep the gifts but you've got to forego yeah I don't want to be tripping over the tinsel but no I love Well, one thing I did a couple of years ago was I invested in these ginormous, I got them on eBay, ginormous paper balls they are. They kind of remind me of the sort of thing we used to make. The sort of concertina ones. They come flat. Yeah, they come flat and then you open them. We used to make quite similar. It's like a paper disco ball sort of thing. Yeah. We used to make quite similar ones at like primary school. My mum used to get us making them. I remember when we were kids, not as big and as complicated. They keep really well. I've had them for a few years now. And I think they have massive impact I actually put them all around you know because quite often not for you obviously but for people who put their tree up a few weeks before Christmas can look quite empty so I stuff all my big giant paper balls under the tree oh that's so a good kind idea of because obviously and then you I can't put them the back under too soon because not if you've got small children yeah exactly or I can put them back on boxing day when it's all looking sad and empty that's a good idea I hadn't when I'm chucking mine out the window yeah, yeah. you're chucking yours out the window <laughs> so there's a lot more sort of paper decorations it's all about trying to Get away from the tacky plastic, isn't it? Well, and I I think it's interesting. Over the last few years, you will have had the same. Lots of emails sort of starting possibly even in October. But, you know, what is your Christmas tree theme? What is your Christmas tree trend? And actually... I feel that that hasn't happened this year. And I don't know whether that's pandemic related or whether finally there's that notion that, you know, last year my Christmas tree was all blue and I've thrown it all away because this year it's all going to be purple. Yes. Um, Interesting that perhaps there is that idea now of, yes, reusing paper decorations, paper tinsel now. I mean, I know it's not going to sparkle, but get the kind of frilliness of it. Um, so I wonder whether that we're sort of getting the hang of that. I think that's interesting. I think that could be on two fronts. I think first front, yeah, I think it's pretty abhorrent to buy a whole tree's worth of plastic decorations and throw them out because you want a different colour the next year. We just can't condone that level of waste anymore, can we? No. But I think second of all, isn't it a bit naff to have a theme tree? I mean, it does feel like a bit old hat But the to thing, do again, a theme tree. This comes back to the pressure. And I saw someone posting 
her Christmas tree the other day, lovely Sharon Hornsby, I think it's Hornsby style, her Instagram. And she posted a picture and said, this is my tree. Every year, I think she's got four children. We have always gone to London and the children have always chosen one new decoration. And she had a story about how as the children have got older, they've tried harder and harder to make it a very non-Christmassy decoration. So she's got prawns and flip-flops and and (laughs) non-Christmassy things, which I love. But she also put in there, you know, it's not colour coordinated, it's not themed. And she was almost apologising for it. And I just felt, this this is my problem. You know, don't apologise. Every decoration on that tree has a memory, a bit like mine does. And there is no theme and there's no colour and it's all a bit broken and a bit sort of shabby. Well, that's, that's the beauty, that's I think, I like. of dressing the tree. And, I, and I'm with you, actually. I like that sentimental sparking of memories because, like you, I've collected Arthur's little homemade decorations. I've got some of my grandmother's decorations I mean, Christmas is all about nostalgia after all, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's got to be about memories because that's that's where the family thing comes in and rather than just, you know, more shopping. And then a few ideas to add a little bit of sparkle and glitter because we, we're very close to Christmas now. I'm think uh, This is the time of year where I start going in the garden and snipping a few evergreens, dotting them around the mantelpiece. Like I said, I'm not going all out for the full-on garland this year. All it takes, I think, is a few red berries bit of holly, just some sprigs. My mum used to always pop it on top of picture frames, which I think really sweet. I've got some faux eucalyptus, which I've had for years, which tends to sit in a vase on the kitchen island. But you said, yeah, even moving that around on top of picture frames. Years ago, we bought a garland of sort of flower fairy lights, which we wound up the stair banister. Hmm. And we had it there for years and it looked really pretty. Um, and we just never took it down. And then, of course, we had to take it down because we were painting the stairs and we had to cut <laughs> it off because we couldn't. We tangled it up so well. But I think you can do, you know, if you don't have the space for a big tree, I would say don't feel under pressure. We also had for many years a tiny little faux plastic tree still got it, that sits on the table rather than a decoration on the dining table table and Mm. just has a few little decorations on it. And if you live in a smaller space or you haven't got room, then that that works just as well. Yeah, bit of twinkle. Get the buble, get the buble on the stereo. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Pour yourself something strong. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I wanted to, while we're on the subject of reusing and keeping, is Christmas paper. Because that's... Oh, do you keep your Christmas wrap? Well, I you can't always because it does get torn and, you know, mm. I have wrapped presents in newspaper with black ribbon for mm. years because I always think that looks quite nice. The copy of the Financial Times, you know, it's pink with a black <laughs> ribbon. It looks quite nice. It's very on brand. Um, but there is, it's Japanese and I'm going to pronounce it wrong, aren't I? But oh, is this is it... when you um, wrap things in fabric? Yes. Do you want to say it? No, I'm I I'm going don't... to try Furushiki. Furushiki wrapping paper. It's not cheap because it's reusable. But if you don't want to buy reusable fabric fabric wrapping paper, you can actually just wrap presents in tea towels. You get beautiful tea towels now. And then that well, then that's an extra present, or they can keep them. It's not a ridiculous idea. Presents in tea towels. Nice tea towels. To dry for has amazing tea towels. People frame tea towels because they I look know, so nice. I know, but those sorts of tea towels are really expensive. The bundle you get that are or black... pillowcases. Oh, enough. <laughs> <laughs> or brown paper and string. i tell you what Big I do, do. Brown paper I keep all my ribbons. I yes, do do definitely. that. I keep all the ribbons and any, any decorations like that. And then I, in the past, have just used like postage brown wrap and yeah. then really bright ribbons. And again, you can like stick a little bit of like rosemary or a bit of, actually, this is a good hack. You know, when if you've got a real tree, 
and you wedge it in a corner, start snipping branches off the back that you don't see. Oh, yes, because they just use, get in the way. Yeah, they just get in the way. And you can use those as extra decorations or indeed to pimp your presents. And also, actually, if you're using brown paper and you've got small children, obviously mine at 18 and 20, this is not going to fly, but the old potato print decoration. Oh, yes, I've done that. You can that get the them doing That's a bit of nice. that on your brown paper that make it look get, nice. Oh, look at you getting crafty. Oh, well, you know, it's my middle name. <laughs> Potato Watson's wife. <laughs> do as I say, people, not as I'm never ever going to do. <laughs> so I'm sure you're really organised. You've probably done all your Christmas shopping, but I'm horrendous. I've always got people last minute who I haven't shopped for so I'm using this opportunity Kate because you do the best gift guides on your blog every year to try and find out if we can think of some good last minute present inspiration I mean for me my the hardest person I have to give for is my husband Tom because first of all he totally hates consumerism and stuff so he's got like a he's making a stand before I've even bought him anything that he doesn't need anything but also men just I mean I hate to stereotype but it's kind of true and it's also true of some women but they just go out and buy it the week mm. before my husband will come home two days before Christmas and go oh I've just bought this really nice jumper I'm like are you kidding me <laughs> six months wondering what to buy you and you've just bought yourself something the day before and my 18 year old is showing signs of doing the same thing yeah I mean that that is just the classic isn't it you know oh well I suppose I would say I do find Tom difficult but actually I'm probably the hardest in our household because yeah. I have quite high expectations and views on the things that people give me but the thing the thing with Tom and the consumerism is it's interesting isn't it because I get that you know every year people are upset about the sort of rampant consumerism so one of the things I would try and think about for someone like Tom is thinking about what he likes I mean the, the key to a really successful present is something obviously that they want and use but that they wouldn't have bought for themselves so you know you can buy someone a mug you know, starting with a small budget, but make it a beautiful mug because they might just be using the free mug that came with Sports Direct. So mm. <laughs> buy them a beautiful mug that they will enjoy every day. And then you can, you know, building up with your budget, buy them a box of really fabulous tea bags that they might not use for every mug oh, of what, tea. Like a, like a Fortnum and Mason pack of tea or something. Or some really great biscuits. So strip it right back. Like sometimes we overthink it. A nice mug. Everybody likes a nice mug. Absolutely. That you use every day. Yeah, no, they do. He's really actually quite snooty about the mugs there that he go. uses. And there's half the mugs in our drawer that he, he won't, won't use because yeah. he likes the porcelain mug. So there so you go. There You've got, you a go. got a starting point. And the other way, point. I think... And so maybe for him, he's a coffee drinker. So then I build really it Really nice coffee nice or coffee, coffee beans or a coffee press or, you know, and you can wrap mm. it all in a tea towel so he can wash his own mug. <laughs> I told you it was a good idea using tea towels as wrapping paper. It's perfect for oh, the anti-consumerist yes. amongst us. <laughs> Winning. Um, but it's true, isn't it? There was a conversation on Twitter the other day about what do you buy for men? All the gift guides are always about socks and whiskey. And, and gadgets. And, and Tom's gadgets. Not in, he's not interested in gadgets. And my husband looks at those and every weekend for the last month, you know, the papers come through the door. We get them on Saturday and Sunday and it's like 297 Christmas gifts. And it's now become a challenge in this house. I go to my husband right there you go there's 297 things there you must want one of them and even I know as I flick through them that he doesn't right so it's that and also you know I 
don't want to be classified as the fashionista or the foodie or the madcap woman oh, over no. 40. Right, you know, yes. I don't like that categorization. And also, I feel quite often those gift guides are put together so that they will look nice on the page. <laughs> I can tell you with the magazine background, 100% they yeah, are. Exactly. So then oh, it's, it's a, a nice shape. Oh, let's have everything that's, that's a nice shape there's and it's yellow. Tea, there's rarely yeah. tea towels in those lists because they look rubbish on the page. Exactly that. Or there's, you know, they've got to be colourful because that stands out on the page. So the other thing I would say is that maybe if you're really stuck for someone, man or woman or teenagers are really, teenage boys are tricky. Mm. And I know because I've, you know, I've had two of those is start with perhaps their favourite room. I mean, obviously, in the case of a child, that might be their bedroom, but what are they doing in there? So is their favourite space the workshop or the garage or the sitting room or the bedroom? And think about what they do in there and how you might be able to give them something that goes with that. So, you know, if they can't get up in the morning and they like lounging in bed, then is it a fabulous pair of pyjamas? Is it an alarm clock? I once bought one of my teenagers for a stocking filler, an alarm clock that as soon as it went off, it had little legs and it ran around the room on wheels and you had to get out of bed to turn it off. I, I suspect it went in the bin within 24 hours. But he liked sleeping, fitted with the theme. So I'm I'm a big fan of a themed present because you can start, as we've just said, really small with a mug and you can just build it up and go mad. Yeah, I like this. I've I've read about this concept that you have before of almost like layering your gifts. So, for example, don't just give the cookbook, give the, the wooden spoon and the dish or whatever, uh, with it. I mean, you've got a lovely anecdote about gifting oven gloves, which I love. Share that one. Oh, well, so uh, a couple I know who are no longer a couple. It was quite an acrimonious divorce, actually. And I'm not necessarily blaming it on this Christmas present, but he did one year give her a pair of oven gloves and she went tonto. Understandably. Um, now, it wouldn't have taken, I think, much extra thought to put inside the oven glove you know, proof of a booking to a fantastic restaurant. You know, so the idea is you're having a night off the oven gloves, darling, because we're going to this fabulous restaurant. Or if you're going up, we're going on a mini break where you won't have to cook. Or, you know, maybe we're going to the Maldives for a fortnight, you know. (laughs) I am loving the side of this gift. (laughs) That idea of making something which might be quite mundane. I mean, you know, draw the line at hoovers. Nobody wants a hoover Mm. unless it's attached to a really great holiday where no one's ever (laughs) going to have to look at a hoover. You know, just think a little bit. And one year I gave my husband a little book I made of 12 vouchers when the boys were really small and I was freelancing and I really hadn't earned any money and I was looking after the boys and I made this set of vouchers and it was things like, you know, if you give me this voucher, you can have a lion till midday and I won't even complain once. Or (laughs) if you give me this voucher, I will take the boys to the park for three hours while you go to the pub or, you know, lie on the sofa or whatever you want. So sometimes there's that notion, isn't there, that, Again, anti-consumerism, but people want experiences perhaps mm. rather than stuff. And don't get me wrong, I love stuff. But experiences are good. And actually that idea of you're giving someone time, that's mm. what's nice about it. So even if you give someone a collection of smellies and beautiful soaps and perfumes, you're actually saying to them, go and take an hour yeah. on your own yes. where you won't be disturbed. That's, yeah. that's the joy of the sort of experiential present. I absolutely love that idea. And, and funny enough, you mentioning oven gloves, but with a voucher to a booking it. I mean, that to me would be my absolute 
dream Christmas present. I know. I would love that. Yeah, exactly. Because that to me would just be the ultimate treat of that someone's thought to book something for a start. Because I'm I tend to book everything in our household. So the fact that someone's taking the initiative to do that, and that yeah, I don't have to cook for the evening. Like win win all round. And I quite like the idea of again, this really works as a last minute shopping idea too. Of because you can buy an experience, be it a, you know, even like I love a workshop, um, yeah. you know, like a floristry workshop that you could do with your mum or your sister or your best friend or something. Or you send somebody else off for a massage or a spa day or even just have your nails done, for example. So you could buy somebody, I don't know, just a little bottle of nail bottle, polish exactly and a file. Or then some sli- flowers or a vase. Yes. And then, you know, wrapped around the vase is a little ticket. That's which says, a really this is the nice present. present full stop, but works really well as a last minute present. Yeah. I love an experience as well because what that's also doing, especially if you do something shared, is saying I'd love to do this for you, but it's also an opportunity for us to spend time yes. together because isn't that one of the most valuable things? Yeah, totally. It's so just- that's a really good present, not just for couples, but for your friends mm. or, or as you say, you know, members of your family. If you've got, I haven't got one, but if you've got a sister who you might want to spend time with or a brother, then you two, you could go rally driving, yeah. couldn't you? Oh, yeah, maybe I'll do that this Christmas. Take my brother, oh, no, he'd probably beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't have that. <laughs> But I think the key to successful present giving is is a little bit of lateral thinking. So, Mm. you know, even if you start with something that feels quite mundane, how could you relate it to something that might be more exciting via an experience or, Mm. you know, a voucher or just something a little bit outside the box, literally? Facebook page, The Great Indoors Podcast, is of course awash with Christmassy chat. So do check it out. And you must also, of course, follow us on Instagram, where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's mad about the house. And our style surgery this week is from Kirsty. Please can I ask the podcast? We are having an open plan kitchen diner family playroom being built with a separate office toy storeroom. My husband and I love deep rich colours, autumn I think Sophie, and our last lounge had dark warm grey walls with our well-loved teal sofas and accents of lavender and olive green, but it was much smaller and north facing. Our extension is southwest facing, lucky us, but Everywhere we look for inspiration has bright white walls. How do we use colours on the walls to create a relaxed, cosy family space whilst keeping it feeling large? Oh, what an excellent question, Kirsty. The doom of the big open plan glassy extension and those bright white walls. It's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. Well, first up... I'm loving your colour palette. I mean, it just sounds lovely. As you, You're right, it sounds very, very autumn. All those gorgeous teals, the lavenders, the olive greens. I hope you carry on rolling with those. Lavender? Very on trend, <laughs> isn't it? Pantone <laughs> colour of the year? What is that? Oh, yes, you're so right. Yes, yeah, so literally a couple of weeks ago, Pantone came out with the colour of the year for 2022. It's very lavender, but they've called it... <laughs> called it... Very peri, very peri. So what they're saying is it's a periwinkle blue, which has undertones of red, which is essentially lavender. It's kind of lilac. It's purple, right? Yes, but But they're calling it very peri. And I don't know, listeners, I don't know where you are in life, but (laughs) me and my girlfriends, if we're having a bad day, we say, oh, I'm feeling very, very, I'm feeling very peri, which basically means bit angry, bit hot, 
bit flustered. Bit perimenopausal. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious because I have never said that. But now that colour, I mean, I didn't love it to start with, but now yeah, that's, it. I, that's it. I'd be very interested to know. Let us know if you're, <laughs> if you're here for the very peri or if you're just living very peri, as some of us and, are. And does that feel a, a very violent shade of purple to you? <laughs> yes, definitely a bit violent, a bit hot, a bit cross, a bit violent, but, you know, purple. <laughs> Sign of the time. Sign but times. poor Kirsty. Yeah, and sorry, Kirsty. Very Perry kitchen. <laughs> what colours? Bringing colour in, bringing colour into an open plan space. I think there's lots of opportunities here, and Kirsty, it's not just about the walls. I think first up, painting walls in an open plan space, a dark, deep, autumnal colour is tricky because quite often you want to zone the space a little bit more, and a, and a deep colour on all the walls. Could, I'm not saying would, but could be overbearing. If it was me, I'd probably go for like a nice chalky plastery pink. That would work really nicely with your autumnal palette, perhaps. But I digress. I'm thinking you can get the colour in other areas. Like, what about the kitchen? I think you could really have a beautiful teal blue kitchen. You could have an olive green kitchen with kind of like gold or brass metallic details. Ooh, she's rolling. You know, and that's the thing that will get a big block of colour in there. Also think about your flooring. So you don't want to go for hard, light, bright grey tiles. No, no, no. What about some really lovely rustic reclaimed timber floorboards in there or something like that to bring in the warmth and the cosiness? So keep those warm colours coming in. Keep those warm textures coming in. Go for those lovely velvet sofas, be they in one of those lovely claret reds or deep blues or deep greens. I mean, roll with that palette and punch the colour in everywhere else. And I think the key to that is you say you're looking everywhere for inspo, has bright white walls. You know, a south-facing room with you put bright white on the walls, it's just mm. going to be dazzling. You're going to need your sunglasses in there when you go in. So I think you want to knock that back and you don't sound like you want white walls anyway, but for anybody else in a similar sort of very light, bright room, you want to take it down and have a, a chalky white or a, a sort of natural linen colour if you're not into the bright, bold colours. As you say, plaster pink is lovely. And I think... It's difficult, isn't it, with those rooms because it's already a light room and there's a school of thought that says if you've got a light room, why deliberately make it dark by painting it in a darker colour? But the other school of thought, which I've done in my south-facing sitting room, you know, I've painted it dark chocolate brown and mm. it is a light room and it never gets that dark because it has the light coming into yeah, it all the time. Yeah, so it, it doesn't so it feel works. like a dark room, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sat I'm sat here looking at it, you've got your lovely bay window, and I presume, Kirsty, you're probably going to, I'm imagining, going to have huge glassy doors on your extension. I mean, that's just standard, isn't it? Yeah. So you don't have to worry about the space looking dark, so you can really ramp up the colour. Oh, go on then, should we get Kirsty to wrap the whole space in a lovely dark olive or navy or something I think it would just look amazing and then uh, you don't say what the ceiling is it may be glass or it may be a normal plaster ceiling but again don't go for a contrasting bright white ceiling you know have a soft gold or even yellow might be like Mm. the sun is shining there in there all the time mustardy yellow mustardy or Mm. can you depending on plaster pink would look plaster pink or depending on what your window doors are you could paint the skirting boards and the doors in a really nice sunshiny yellow and have a softer colour on the walls. Smythe unleashed. I know. I'm all over the idea of yellow. (laughs) I'm 
still at the talking <laughs> stage, oh but I am loving goodness. it. She loves talking about it. I do love talking about it. You just can't have it in your house, can you? I haven't you? done it yet. You're just living vicariously through yeah, the podcast. Through other people's, you know, <laughs> bright, sunshiny yellow. But if, if you were frightened of wrapping it all in a dark colour, then you could go with that bold, dark colour on the doors and the woodwork and keep the walls slightly paler. So you would still be wrapping the room in the wooden parts of the room in that warm colour. And then, as you say, you can have strong colour on the kitchen cupboards or on the sofas, but you could keep the walls lighter if you just felt a bit nervous. No, 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 she go for might. it. I'm signed up now. I'm signed up. It's, None of these can I just Can white. I just make a small point, but one I feel is quite valid. It's not your house. <laughs> you don't live in it. And at this rate, you won't be invited. <laughs> I think um, well, the, the key words here is is creating relaxed, cosy while still feeling like it's large. So there's nothing here actually about making it feel really bright and light. Those aren't the words that Kirsty's after. So I think strong, deep colours could really bring in that cosy vibe. And on the subject of keeping the feeling large, I think that's going to be down to the layout and how well organised yeah. the space is. And actually, even if it was a bright white room, as soon as you start cluttering it up with a poor layout or indeed stuff cluttered everywhere. I mean, luckily you say you've got a toy storeroom. Oh, oh imagine. And I think if you loved your, your colour scheme before, I mean, if you, you know, our last lounge had dark, warm grey walls with the teal, lavender, olive green accents. If you feel that that space is too big and you don't want to have dark, warm grey walls, then you could have a dark, warm grey sofa and keep the accents of colour still the same. And you could do the walls in that much paler lavender or a very pale olive green. So actually, you don't have to change this colour scheme just because this room is big and south facing and the yeah. last one was small and north facing you just might use it different colors in different places or in different proportions from before but the key i think is that it's the colors that you love and that you feel are relaxing and cozy and i do cozy not feel colors. relaxed in teal so no, that's not going to no. happen for me but if that is one of your colors that makes you feel I'm relaxed. Not sure how Use relaxed it. I'm feeling very perry. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go, Kirstie. It's not our home. But essentially, what the headlines are, think outside the box. It's not just about wall colour. Get some colour on those cabinets, big colourful rugs on the floor, gorgeous textured flooring, pile on the velvets and the wools and the shag pile. Oh, it just sounds gorgeous. And send us a pic when you've done it. I think that's the key for cosy, isn't it? It's texture mm. and fabric and material. Mm. There we go. I hope that helps, Kirsty. If you have a style surgery question, just send us an email and preferably a voice note to thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. Of course, there will be more details on the blogs where I'm madaboutthehouse.com and she's sophierobinson.co.uk. And a little Christmas gift of a review on your podcast app would certainly be much appreciate it if you have a second and thanks to our producer kate taylor of feast collective and to all of you lovely lot out there have a very very happy christmas and we'll see you in the great indoors <laughs> <laughs>